0: You're listening to americaswebradio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: Good morning everyone. Kurt Sumner here. Welcome to NSPs Radio Hour. Glad to have everybody back after our holiday break. We were a couple of weeks there without a show and I haven't, haven't figured out yet whether that was a good thing or a bad thing for me. I get used to doing things and when I'm not doing them, I'm not sure what I'm up to, but nonetheless, I'm happy to have Gavin schrock with me today welcome Gavin hey kurt uh good for, good way for us to to kick off the year here um, uh, and to have you on the show, although uh I do have something to to add here at the beginning that you may or may not already know about, but sort of a, a sad thing. And, and for you in the audience, by the way, David mentioned this when we were, first came on. I'm a little froggy sounding today, um, as opposed to normally being foggy in my uh, the way I communicate. But uh, nonetheless, I have a bit of a cold. So, uh, Gavin, it's a good thing you're on the show today, because if I get afflicted with a coughing spell, which I do sometimes when I talk too much, um, then you can just continue right on, and so we'll we'll be good to go
2: oh okay well i I'm, I'm in the I'm in the foggy category actually it's a little foggy out here in the other washington today
1: so yeah it's that's not an unusual thing for you guys, is it? Mm-hmm. The other thing I wanted to bring up this morning, and some of our listeners may already know this you may already know it um among the folks who were killed in Fort Lauderdale at the airport last week was a surveyor. I'd heard that. Yeah, it's, I'm not sure about the last name. It's spelled O E H M E. So I don't know if that's Omi or O-A-me. Uh Michael Oemi from uh, from uh, C- uh, Council Bluffs, Iowa. Uh, of course, he's an NSPS member, and uh, so our our thoughts and prayers go out to his family uh, and to uh, to the surveyors out there who knew him as well. Sort of a sad thing. You know, my wife and I were chatting about that and how that whole thing seemed to have occurred. And, of course, like most other people, I don't know all the details. But uh, it seems to me that the person who did the shooting had pretty easy access to the ammunition he needed sort of after check-in. And I said to her, I've traveled a lot to go places with my friends to play golf. And to go get my golf clubs, I have to go to a completely different area most of the time at the airport so you would think you might have to do that to pick up something as as potentially volatile as as ammunition but nonetheless it's quite a tragedy and so our, our hearts and prayers go out to, to Michael's family and hope his wife recovers well
2: yeah it's um you know it's a, a tragedy and, and I, we'd heard We'd heard that there was a surveyor and hadn't heard any details, but we're going to try to find out a little bit more. And then um, I agree with you about security, you know, um, traveling with survey equipment. I know the ropes we have to go through with that. So let's hope cool heads prevail and, you know, revisit some security ideas.
0: Um, Yeah,
1: yeah, you you would hope so. Well, today on our show, we're going to be talking about uh, the latest Group, maybe I don't know if that's the right word to use or not. The 2017 group, I guess, of XYHT magazines 40 under 40. Uh, I think last year, 16 was the first time, right, Gavin?
2: Yeah, this is only our, our second year in doing this, and well, it, it went out on um, it went out on New Year's Day, and had nominations for 2018 in a
1: couple hours, so I told our <laughs> publisher that we're we're pretty well locked into 2018 as well. Yeah, it sure sounds like it. And uh, I've been fortunate enough to interact with, meet, and even have on the radio show uh, some of the some of the people who were on last year's list. And I've got a couple of people lined up already who are in this year's list. Um, always impressed with that group of people and and the things they have going on. I was just curious if you had. Uh, had gotten any updates or follow up from any of the fo- of the the, uh, the winning group in 2016? Did they stay in touch, or do you do you not hear from
2: them? Yeah, um, actually, and it, it being a being a being a small world when it comes to to uh, serving in,
1: in Geomatics,
2: uh, a lot of these folks know each other, uh, and uh, actually ended up running into some people that were on the list at conferences and didn't realize it till somebody else pointed it out. So, uh we're in touch with quite a few of them. Um some of their projects are I find completely fascinating and uh there's going to be follow-up articles from some of them and a few have contributed and uh we also connected several of them with each other that had uh similar projects going on in their respective parts of the country or different countries sometimes. So, it's it's kind of cool. Um, uh, yeah, it's been great outreach both internally and externally. I think for for the profession. Um, so we're real ha- real real happy to do it again. And it, and it is actually it's just sometimes I'm sitting working on these and and talking with these these very talented young folks, and I keep thinking, wow, I'm I'm getting paid to do this. Uh, you know, it's like it's more of an honor. You know. So.
1: Yeah, it really is, and and I feel exactly the same way when I when I meet them at conferences or at some of their meetings. And you know, last year about this time, I was up in Minnesota. I can't remember. Were you up there at that one? That was a meeting, uh, an international meeting, and uh, just just so many great people. And what was kind of interesting to me when I first got the, the publication, I started f- flipping through, and the first page I turned to, all three people on that page I know. Uh, yep, James Shaw is from here in in Maryland. I've known him for a long time, and he and I keep doing this dance about when he's going to be on the radio show, <laughs> and and that's been going on for two or three years, I guess. But uh, so maybe now that he has notoriety, I can talk him into coming on the show. Well, uh, and then James, pa- yeah, go ahead. No, that's all right. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, so James uh, James is 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 a, is a pretty skilled writer. He he, uh, he he would like to do more of that. You know, he's thinking of uh, retirement. You know, so um, we asked him to do the uh, the editorial for the forty under forty uh, because I've spoken to him at length about uh, the kind of outreach and then uh, uh, succession planning. So I think he I think he captured it really well in there. And then our February issue, he's he's doing a a, a fairly long. Um, Commentary piece that uh, well some people might might think he's uh, he starts off with a with kind of a, a harsh premise but read through it he deftly ties it all together so uh, yeah it was great to have James do that and then notice yeah the next one Paula uh, Dykstra
1: you,
2: you've got her scheduled for the show coming up
1: yeah I do we actually had her scheduled and then um, we had a, a glitch and she she couldn't make it so. She and one of her coworkers are actually going to join me sometime soon on the show, so I'm looking forward to that. And then Stuart Warnock's on there. Stuart was on the show last fall. Yep. Yep. So uh, I, I, I felt like I was really being successful in getting all these good people on the show uh, on the first page. Now I I haven't flipped through every page yet. I do know some of the other people who are who are in here, but obviously want to get more of them uh, on the show too, as well as some of the people, still some of the other people from sixteen
2: sure and uh actually when i was uh, uh corresponding with people once they were selected uh only a few uh only a few were surpri- uh, surprises you know their their peers or nominators didn't want them to know till it happened but most of them you know i got to do a lot of uh checking on them and uh once the the finalist list got narrowed down and get more details uh i I'd, I'd mention to to all of them that I contacted, that, hey, you know, you might be invited on this radio show. And uh, nearly everybody agreed, so I will get you those contacts.
1: Yeah, that'd be Um, great.
2: So Paula Dykstra, she actually would have made last year's list, um, but there was a a glitch in getting bio info. But uh, with the subject of of cadastres, you know, I, I see it a lot in forums and hear about it at conferences that surveyors go, what... Why is it different in another in these other places? Well, they actually have a formal cadaster rather than just um, you know our current uh, recording uh, rules, and and it's misunderstood. So, Paula, I figured being being definitely an international expert on it could could really illustrate what how that how that you know how that works.
1: So, yes, uh, speaking of that particular topic and the questions that that come about from from. People like me, surveyors here, um, this is a bit of a, a, a side issue, but I've been invited. To, I'm going to Switzerland in the spring to a meeting of the CLGE, the, the European group of I can't remember how many countries, are, probably close to 20, is ha- having a meeting. And they asked me to come over and have a conversation and, and uh, or talk to them for a bit. And so I, I kind of picked the topic of of the difference in systems and why we do things the way we do here as compared to and you'll know this better than do I compared to most of the world I guess in terms of how we define lands and survey them and map them and, and catalog
2: them uh, well that yeah. It, well, we could go on for this uh, for hours I actually <laughs> yeah, <that's> been, true. <laughs> Actually, been uh, researching this for a number of years I uh, wanted to you know, publish a, a series about uh, the different uh land systems and um uh, in in some in some countries you know it's 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 a small enough geographically and population wise uh with a longer history of 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 certain ways of doing things that you know it's it's more practical well with in the u s you know each state is very independent and set up that way so it's a little a little more difficult to pull off something like that but elements of 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 these things um Can and have been applied, but well, I I think Paula, uh, yeah, she she can give you the uh, the thumbnail on how things like that work, and it's great that you're getting an opportunity to go there and represent us uh, at that meeting in Switzerland. So there's a couple people that are going to be there.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna
2: point you towards.
1: Okay, that'd be great. We'll go that offline on that on that not the topic of me going to Switzerland, but on this. Kind of basic topic that we're discussing at the moment, um, some time ago, and I think you may have directed me to this person, but uh, I think the guy's out in Arizona. But he was starting some work, um, setting up a system to go to these developing countries and use GIS type information mapping to help build land structures, um, almost in a similar way to what we've done, you know, where we use fences or. Or, or rock walls, or whatever the case may be, to define things, but then using that as some sort of a cadastral layout, uh, which I thought was really interesting. And I, I, I should follow up with him sometime and find out how that's turned out.
2: Oh, yeah. it's uh, uh, they're Worldwide, there's a whole bunch of uh, land reform initiatives going on. Uh, Paul is involved in a bunch. Uh, one of last year's nominees, two of last year's uh, nominees, uh, there's... Uh, University in Belgium, which is sort of like specializing in land reform uh, topics, people actually get Ph.D.s in that.
1: So uh,
2: I'm going to refer some people to the radio show for you for
1: that. That'll be That'll great. Uh, and by, speaking of the radio show, by the way, believe it or not, we're at the first break. Uh-huh. Uh, so we'll take that break and be back in a couple of minutes. Cool.
3: Want to know if your Shonsted locator is still under warranty? Go to shonsted.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number, and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.schonstedt.com.
0: Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com
4: anytime you like. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for Quickstakes today.
3: Attention surveyors, Seansted announces the Maggie, the next generation magnetic locator. The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seansted products, the sensitivity and precision of the GA52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.Seansted.com. Seansted, the best just got better.
0: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. We're back with Gavin Schrock
1: today talking about a number of things. Uh, as, as is usual, Gavin, with you and me and perhaps lots of other people as well, we begin a conversation and one thing leads to another and our conversation goes back and forth in different directions. <laughs> But, but it's all all uh, all good because we get to cover a lot of different uh, ground in, in doing that. but uh,
2: well primary, I'll bring it, um,
1: yep go, go ahead, ahead. No, no, I'll go bring ahead. it back to the 40. Um,
2: well, last year being the first time, uh, even though it was the first time, we still had about 400 contacts for nominations. and uh, this year was even more, but uh, some was similar though, most of the nominations were were women. And last time it was a lot from overseas. This time we, we got a good, good, solid selection of U.S. nominees, um, and we, uh, we tried to rebalance all that and reflect it uh, in, the, in the makeup. And uh, I didn't realize it till the, the, uh, the person that does the proofreading noted it, that we had right about 50-50 men and women in this election. So I figured, oh, well, maybe that says something about the profession, you know. So <laughs> the, uh, well, actually, the way the profession's it, going.
1: What it says, both of the things you just mentioned, that a large number of the nominees are women and it's about 50-50 in the selection process, is, I think, um, interesting and, and uh, a good thing for the future uh, because that's one of the things that we wring our hands about here in the U.S. is diversity among among the profession and you and i've been talking about the the poll we did recently that that we're going to work on and do some stuff with you on and um that's one of the things that came out really strongly there was here in the u.s just still how how dominant you know the the male side of things is in the surveying profession here i mean it's so to know that that the people you're talking to now is more getting back toward the fifty fifty side is encouraging as we as we move ahead. Not that there's anything wrong with 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 us the 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 males who are surveyors, but it'd be great to have our our profession more diverse.
2: Well, you know, yeah, no, no there's there's nothing wrong with the makeup, you know, per se. It just the um, it's interesting that this new wave coming through the educational institutions, like I. Go to conferences in different parts of the world, and I see the makeups of the kids from the uh, surveying and geomatics programs, and that that's getting more towards 50-50. So you know that's going to percolate through the uh, that's going to percolate through the uh, the profession, and I mean it can only be a good thing you know in the long run.
1: Um, Absolutely true, and you know, that's true in the Young Servers Network as you as you well know. And oh so. Yeah. One of the great advantages of that, from my perspective, is we have a lot of people now that we are coming into contact with who may have been out there all along, and many of them are, um, to assist in, in, quote, selling the profession to, to women. Um, it's been hard for us to do that, of course, with, with our, our demographics, but we have so many great young women out there, not only in the group you're finding, but in general, that, I think that will be uh, a big help in the future.
2: Well, uh, there's one, one of the 40s this year, uh, Narelle Underwood. So uh, New South Wales and Australia, and you know that I, I spent a lot of my youth, we lived there, uh, my family, but uh, New South Wales, you know, here here it's it's the most populous state of Australia and uh, has the oldest settlements, uh, 330, 340 years but of the twenty-five surveyor generals, uh, the first woman is just uh, started in October of 2016, Norrell Underwood. You should really have her on the show. Uh, uh, believe me, they, they, that was not uh, you know that was not some kind of of token thing that they put her in the place. She is the real deal. Uh, such a dynamic person, and with the growth going on there, uh, you know it's it's like New South Wales. Has not only the rapid growth of a fairly young country in one sense, but it has land record history that is unbelievably complex because it's 330 years old. So she's really got her work cut out for her. So she'd be a great, great guest to have on the show.
1: Yeah, that's that's a great suggestion. Thanks. I will. And of course, you're going to give me all the contact information, so I'll be able to.
2: Oh yeah, the, yeah.
1: Uh, to find her for uh, sure.
2: We'll get that going. Well, it's, uh, uh, here in the U.S., we've got... Um, it was really interesting to, to get uh, nominations for people that uh, have a wide variety of um, disciplines they work in within surveying. You know, there's well, the one, uh, the one, one young fellow. He uh, does hydrography, uh, structural monitoring, machine control, utility surveying and several others, and it's like uh, his peers noted that he's sort of a master of all of them. So, yeah, there's, there's there, you know, surveying's pretty broad. Um, it, every one of these nominees has gone, have attended some type of surveying or geomatics program, even though, you know, we might look at some of them and go, oh, my gosh, that's just a GIS person. Oh, no, not at all. Uh Especially in other countries, the same education is applied no matter what geospatial you're in. That The core, a lot of them, they're, they're called engineering programs. I know people here sometimes don't like the term engineering, but they're called surveying or geomatics engineering. And then as I research these people I, I go back there, I find out that's what they studied. Uh, almost all of them have at some point in time held a rod and been in the field. Uh, the wonderful young lady from Kenya started out there in the field, and now she's um, a support engineer with Esri. Uh, yeah, it's—I I, I don't think—I don't think people realize that surveying is, is percolated through all these geospatial fields a lot more than we think. And uh, no matter what somebody's doing, hey, if they're if they're uh, making the machine control systems work. That education had a lot had a lot to do with their
1: success. So. Well, and I think that these activities, um, like the the list and just the information you're gathering from all of the all the nominees and looking at at what they're doing, that that can only help us as a profession, as far as I'm concerned, in being able to sell the profession. Um, because when we look at it, kind of. For like a better term, myopically in terms of what a lot of us do, and, you know, that good part of my career was the same kind of thing. I was doing boundary work or things associated with with boundary or construction or in engineering design or whatever. Um, but now they're just it's just opened up, and I, a lot of things have been going on all along that were out there, and really in this realm, we just didn't actually attach ourselves to it.
2: We we did historically though um, in the same issue with the forty under forty list. I finally after a year or two of, of digging through the digging through some demographic demographic and economic data. Uh, you know my my posit there is that the the reason we we're, we're tilted a little bit more towards boundary than anything else has a little bit to do with um, our our country's history in the last century. But uh, I won't. I won't go into that much, but you know the readers could, could read in that and see what I mean. And um, I found out other other places that were had the same type of growth that we did um, in the last century: Australia, uh, South Africa, and uh, you know some other countries like that that were in that growth mode, rather than the you know they were well, well established like some of the European countries. Um, there was a, bound, a boundary centrism in in surveying, um, but now with the the growth now in infrastructure and uh, and developing countries, we're seeing those other disciplines really g- getting emphasized a lot. Um, oh yeah, there's there's people in there that are trying to support rapid growth in in country, well, Africa especially. That uh, remote sensing is a big deal. Uh, surveyors are, are quite involved in the construction. Um, quantity uh, surveying is big in developing countries. It's actually a separate discipline in some kind, a different license. So um, our roots were surveyors were uh, jacks of all trades. They were a naturalist, a geologist, you know, an explorer, and uh, and they dealt with boundary as well. So. Actually, there's kind of a funny outfall from this this list that I could talk about later that's in an upcoming issue that had to do with that subject. But, uh, oh, I digressed, didn't I?
1: Um, <laughs> no, no, that's that's quite all right. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, there's uh, um, boundaries still at the fore in a lot of countries, especially where the land reform, where they're trying to go in and just the, you know, uh, tenure by occupation, trying to formalize that a little bit and clear up some of the mess that makes it very difficult for the small landowner to, uh, you know, maintain their tenure. So uh, there's people heavily involved in that. Uh, the young fellow down in Paraguay, uh, he's he's actually teaching the first generation of, of young uh, ge- geomatics and surveying people uh, how to how to chronicle and, and deal with all that electronically. He's originally from the Philippines, but he was one of the 40. And he's sort of, uh, down there, yeah, he's training the trainers. He's training the people that will be training the surveyors. It, it's kind of a neat story. Um, gosh, I forgot his name. He'd be good to have on the show. And,
1: uh, yeah. So much I just, of that going on. Mark Delgado. So many. Pardon me? Mark Delgado. Mark Delgado, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. seeing his his profile yeah mm-hmm. so as, as we're continuing to talk here um, I'm writing names as we go <laughs> of course we will talk about these further as after we are uh, over the show and have more time to to talk but oh that, yeah I'm gonna that,
2: send you a pile of a pile of contacts so
1: there's uh, back
2: to the women in surveying there's uh, women in countries where um, Surveying for a woman is a very non-traditional, um, very non-traditional role, and in some in some countries, actually, a woman working at all uh, is is frowned upon by uh, some rather angry uh, segments of the population. And um, uh, Sanakushi in Pakistan has is, is risen very high in the hierarchy of of uh, geomatics, and she's just really inspirational to. Uh, uh, you know her and chestnut Ben from um, from the South Pacific. Uh, you know it's uh, that that those are kind of neat stories on that level as well. What they some of the stuff they've had to put up with is pretty pretty. Uh, it's it's funny they keep such a good uh, sense of humor about it. But
1: uh, it yeah, and that's one of the trouble. things we don't necessarily think about is it's not all just your technical education or are those kinds of things um, people. People have different challenges in different places obviously. So well it's mm-hmm. time for our second break, so let's do mm-hmm. that and then we'll come back and pick up on some more of our our new crop of forty under forty. Okay.
3: Attention surveyors. Schaunstead announces the Maggie, the next generation magnetic locator. The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seanstead products. The sensitivity and precision of the GA-52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA-92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.Seanstead.com. Seanstead,
4: the best just got better. Quick Stakes or go to quickstake.com that's Q U I K S T A K E.com and order your samples ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today
3: want to know if your shonsted locator is still under warranty go to shonsted.com and click on warranty finder in the lower left hand corner enter your six digit serial number and it will tell you everything you need to know out of warranty Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.schonstedt.com.
0: You're listening to America's Webradio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: So, Gavin, in, in looking through the list, I see that you have your first married couple, both in 40 under 40.
2: Right, and and the funny thing was that was actually uh, coincidental. Uh, it wasn't until I went to contact them. They were different places on my spreadsheet was not alphabetical when I narrowed the list down. And uh, our team got together and narrowed the list down. And it wasn't until I went to contact people that I realized, hey, that last name looks familiar. So it turns out the Smilovskis down there in Arizona, they're a geopower couple. Uh, Danielle is a a remote sensing scientist. And uh, Nicholas, uh, he's a uh, surveyor, but he's been dealing with, Managing the data, and, it, and of course they use GIS to manage the data. So uh, it was kind of neat, and we actually asked them for a, a picture with both of them in it when they were scanning. I, I believe it was a historical structure in South America. So that was that was kind of neat. But uh, a lot of the a lot of people knew each other. Though um, we found out afterwards, I checked which ones of these folks are involved in the Young Surveyors Network globally. And about two thirds of them are involved in the YSN, so that's kind of neat. I think that that entity, the YSN, uh, both the NSPS one for the U.S. and the, the FIG one, uh, I think it is really going to have an impact. Uh, yeah, two thirds of these people were were uh, involved in the YSN,
1: or at least attended one meeting. Yeah, I noticed that uh, Kate Fairley's in there. Kate's, I guess she was the first. FIG, Young Surveyor's leader.
2: Right. Uh, she she and a couple of others uh, um, kind of cooked up the whole notion. So it was very fitting that she was in there. Again, she she got missed last year because we couldn't get bio info. Uh, she had been traveling with all of her... Um, she works for a firm that's uh, a UK-Australia firm, but they are going all over the world Helping with these land reform efforts—it's—it's kind of cool, and they're always looking for eager young people to do that kind of stuff as well.
1: So uh, we're going to run something on that—that that outfit
2: in the near future.
1: Yeah, that'll be good. I even noticed that uh, one of your young young folks from Texas, Sean. Uh, Pepcorn, Pepcorn. popcorn. Yeah, actually, gave some props to our uh, certified survey technician program. He's he, he's a he's a surveyor now, but he, he was talking about uh, taking the exams when he was in school.
2: Oh yeah, and it, now now Sean, uh, uh, not only is Sean somebody you got to have on the show, um, I think the the workforce uh, uh outreach uh, the workforce group and the um, forum on the future surveying. They really ought to drag him in there. He has uh, been very proactive in the outreach and education. He teaches surveying at a bunch of schools around the Dallas area. And then the SkillsUSA um, uh, career uh, program uh, and their competitions, uh, it turns out his uh, the schools that have taken his classes, they, they often um, uh, win the awards. So, uh, yeah, Sean is a, is a go-getter doing that kind of stuff um and there's a couple of folks that are sort of doing the same thing in in different countries it's interesting to see
1: see the parallels and in, in uh, his profile i talked about the work with skills usa mhm and it seems to me in all the all the correspondence i have had back and forth with people about and the interaction with people about surveying at skills usa and even visiting the national headquarters of skills usa which is on the way from my home to my office by the way oh uh, just north of Leesburg Virginia um and it seems as though that's more of a bottom up kind of thing than a top down and it requires um a lot of effort because the the way i understand it the, the the teachers themselves have to get involved with with groups like are going on in Texas and and the reason i, I mentioned that was early on when we were having the uh, trying to get more involved in skills usa um, the Texas Bill Coleman was involved in, in that as a as well as other a lot of other surveyors in Texas with Skills USA, but we were never able to get that to get traction like we wanted it to. And I'd I'd really like for us to revisit that. I think it, I think it'd be worth a revisit. Yeah,
2: that's was the the way I, I I saw it characterized from someone else was it's a it's a grassroots. It's got the effort has to start uh, at the local level. So the um, you know the ACE program that's that's a bit of a top down, but that's another one that you're you you've been in touch with the ACE folks. It'd be great. We have
3: as
1: well as uh, Project Lead the Way.
2: Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, it it seems every country has something like that. And uh, talking to these folks, and these are the same people that get involved in that kind of thing in their in their respective country. So. Uh, another thing what we do in here is we get a lot of nominations of people that um, not only are the practitioners but are the ones that help develop the equipment or the uh, the folks in academia coming up with how to teach this stuff and uh, we throw we 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 like to throw some of those in um, you know they either you know software developers or um, even you know product managers or uh, support specialists, but the key was that they all started as a surveyor, which was kind of neat, you know. And, I, and I, 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 uh, I end up talking to some of these folks that yeah, they've moved way up in some big company like you know Hexagon or, or Topcon or whatever, and uh, but they started back in their home country in a small village, you know, with the, with a dumpy level and a rod, and then you know. But good people, they show their colors, you know, no matter what they're doing, and work their way up. The young young lady from uh, um, well, she's originally from Indonesia, but she works in Singapore now. Yep, she started out in the in the uh, in the swampy fields of Indonesia out carrying a rod, and now she's working in a high rise in Singapore. So
1: there's a, yeah, there's was, career
2: career mobility when people are are
1: motivated. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I was also uh, uh, pleased to see Heidi Jackson in there um, as a, as a survey tech who's who's involved on the board of the Young Surveyors for uh, the NSPS group. But um, it, I think that's indicative of if you look across the spectrum of all the people you have involved here, it really is a, a broad reach out to people doing lots of different kinds of things, all connected in one way or another to our single core.
2: That's true, and there's uh, there's some people in there that are so motivated to sort of save the world. Uh, I don't mean that sarcastically; they really are trying to. Uh, you so, got to have Erica are they, Woolsey. Are they
1: trying to serve the save the surveying world or the world in general? Uh, both, maybe both, yeah, <laughs> both.
2: But uh, it, it, it's sort of like wh- what they're doing. They're using surveying to save the world, so that's a, a you know, going to get going to get a lot of good PR out of that sort of thing. You, you should have Erica Woolsey on there. Now She's a, a oceanographic scientist, but she's embraced uh, maritime and marine surveying and hydrographic surveying because her goal is to save the reefs around the world. And she uh-huh. she told me, she said she would go to these conferences and talk to other PhDs and go, she's preaching to the choir, she needs to get the message out to the general public. And so she's done this where they've surveyed these different reefs and other uh, habit, underwater habitats, and made the 3D models of them, and people can go in and do a 360 VR. Uh, that's how she's doing outreach. So she could be a lot of fun to have on the show. She started this whole thing herself. So mm-hmm.
1: yeah, I was reading when I was reading about her with her dr- hydrography and bathymetry work, um, made me think about the. You know, we have the hydrographer certification with the Hydrographic Society of America, um, mm-hmm. and looks like she has lots of great knowledge that could be helpful there maybe.
2: Oh yeah, she uh, did a lot of her work at uh, some of the premier institutions on this are in uh, Queensland, Australia. Well, they have the Great Barrier Reef, so yeah. Yeah, she would, uh, she'd be very happy to come and speak at conferences as well. And a lot of these folks, I said, you know, you've got to speak at a state conference or something. Um, It'd be great to get uh, some new speakers in the in the, in the rotation because I, I remember last year running into Gary Kent at five conferences in three weeks and we looked at each other and went, "They got to start asking other people now."
1: You know, <laughs> we're getting tired. <laughs> you know, you bringing that up um, is fortuitous because uh, I think well, I'm, I know you're aware that I've been trying to develop a, a speakers database that we can share with everybody and get information from a lot of different people. From all over everywhere um and and I agree that we we do need to add new faces new topics new uh, uh outlooks and that's a great idea to reach out to some of these folks and see if they're interested in doing that kind of thing um and and hopeful I guess on the on the uh the side that's that's I don't negative is not the right word. But hopeful that the state licensing boards will see the value in, in what people can learn from these folks.
0: Oh yeah, Not, well,
1: it's a challenge to get approved. Yeah, a
2: lot of them are uh, you know they uh, a lot of them are surveyors you know and have uh, li- respective licenses or certifications. So in their in their country, but there's a bunch of the U.S. ones that are licensed and could speak directly to something. Well, Adam Adam Schleicher could. Um, uh, you know, utility surveying doesn't get talked about enough. Um, and actually this past weekend, there was a, um, the ASCE had a utility surveying uh, symposium there at Cal Poly Pomona in California. And I, I couldn't make it there. But uh, I don't think folks realize how much surveying goes into utilities. And Adam Sleicher, who got uh, nominated, you'd, he'd be a good guy to have on there.
1: That's yeah, his, I've met that's Adam specialty. a couple times before. You yeah. met Adam, yeah. He's yeah. very,
2: very involved in the uh, the YSN. I think John Hall actually nominated him.
1: I see. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, yeah, and and that's interesting that uh, uh, you you would bring that up because of of that connection <laughs> back to the the speakers kit. I mean, the speakers group and and all those kind of things. That's that's very interesting that we can perhaps utilize that. That group to mm-hmm. yeah. help us strengthen.
2: Well, like Adam Cruz
1: out of Pennsylvania, you probably met him. Right. I know Adam. Yeah, with all the stuff that he's done, uh, at his at his young age, he's already been president of the Pennsylvania Society.
2: Yep. Yeah, and then uh, there's some that are uh, principals in businesses that we can learn a lot from them. Uh, Hayden Howard, there with uh, Compass Data, what he's done, you know, family-owned business that was pretty big, and then he was the young the young kid that went off to school and learned a bunch of stuff and got in there and, but hit the ground running and actually, uh, helped the, helped the company boom. So the, these are folks, uh, well, on the UAS side, uh, we, we were really happy to get Jonathan Downey, you agree. He's the founder of airware and, uh, he's done, you know, we mentioned in there that like, yeah, he was able to convince venture capitalists to invest $70 million. But the other thing he's doing is he's got a, uh, um, UAS Foundation uh, to help UAS companies or companies trying to implement it. So he's really keen on on on. He, he sees surveying as um,
1: um, one of the we're key things. we going to have go to that, break, Gavin. Sorry.
2: Yep. <laughs> yep. All
3: right, we'll be back shortly. Attention surveyors, Shawnded announces the Maggie, the next generation magnetic locator the Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seanstead products. The sensitivity and precision of the GA-52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA-92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.Seanstead.com Seanstead, the best
4: just got better. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for Quickstakes today.
0: Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like.
3: Want to know if your Shonsted locator is still under warranty? Go to Shonsted.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.schonstedt.com.
0: You're listening to America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: Gavin, as we're moving forward here, we're in our last segment already, I want to make sure we we mentioned the essay contest that you guys at XYHT are working toward?
2: Oh, yeah. Um, You might remember a few years ago we did a student essay contest, and uh, that was a lot more successful than we we had imagined. And uh, serving students could submit an essay about what excites them about being in serving. Well, a lot of the – well, a lot of the – Silverbacks, you know, my age, <laughs> you know, would corner me at conferences and go, well, why don't you have one for us? And uh, Neil, our publisher, uh, he launched last month um, an essay about what's the next big thing. It's not; tech- It doesn't necessarily have to be technology-centric, but what's the next big thing or next big development for the surveying profession? And uh, we're asking that people just send in a, um, you know, just a, a couple of sentences on what what that is, and then uh, we're going to have a group of are going to have a group of surveyors get together and then figure out which ones narrow it down. And the three essays will be turned into articles. We'll help out with that, no problem. You know, uh, I'm notoriously bad at spelling and grammar, but the folks at the magazine clean up my stuff. So turn it into in the. Um, the top one will get. Uh, I think the top one's five hundred dollars, and the other two will get two fifty. Um, you know, as a, as a prize. So, um, yeah, we're. Uh, I think it's open for another month or two. We got some great ones so far, but uh, I wanna encourage the readers to or your listeners uh, just jot down some wild ideas about what would be the next big thing for the procession. Uh, does not is not limited to technology. It's it could be. Oh, you know other developments. Uh, you know what to do with professional associations or outreach or who knows. So that'd be that'd be kind of fun. And then uh, another thing that came out of the forty under forty and uh, visiting a bunch of conferences is uh, a lot of folks. They there's a lot of buzz now. People talking about all these movies and TV documentaries and things about Mars and. And then that that NASA poster that came out about Mars needs surveyors. Well, got a whole pile of emails, and then I actually got cornered at a conference in November by a bunch of surveyors, and they say, why aren't you guys writing about this? And I went, well, it would be a little speculative. But it turned out to be a lot of fun. I went and interviewed a bunch of people with NASA JPL, um, someone at the Goddard Center, and then I got pointed to uh, a scientist at the University of Washington who specializes in um, uh, modeling things in Mars that it turns out would make surveying quite a bit different. Uh, I won't go into it too much, but one of the key things is because Mars doesn't have a general magnetic field. It doesn't just affect compasses, that affects radio propagation and uh, the geodesy and the environment. So uh, February, it's a very long article about surveying on Mars. We hope, <clears throat> you know, I hope it's entertaining as well as educational. But um, it 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 tied in with um, some of the other content that's talking about. Well, wait a minute, that's a big leap. But have we really jumped into this century yet? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, um, we we highlight a firm, Todd Foster, one of the forty under forty. Um, his firm got created in this century and they have leveraged not just the technology but it's really a child of, of they took all the all the best stuff from the past 15 16 17 years and leveraged that to uh, run a surveying company that um, is australia and california it's cross pacific and just the amazing things they're doing with the cloud and and uh, evernote and Anyhow, um, we hope that that kind of highlights those dealing with the change, because well, we talk about that a lot, don't we? So, yeah, we do. Our
1: profession. Yeah, well, and they seem to be never ending, which is probably a good thing. Actually, we don't want to become stagnant. We're, it's good that we need to uh, continue to educate ourselves and expand our our capabilities and our awareness, um, just kind of to keep up. So that that's really a good thing, I think
2: sure you know the challenge being maintaining fundamentals um but uh it's so encouraging to see that uh the education programs that a lot of these folks went through that no matter what bizarre offshoot field they might end up in you know remote sensing science or whatever they actually had to learn surveying from the core that was what it was all based on so uh I know our, our schools are struggling a little in the U.S., and uh, uh, quite a few that I checked in with are, are still emphasizing that. Some are not as much as others, but, um, well, with the new wave of the millennials coming in and hopefully more people wanting to go to those schools, that uh, some of the programs might be able to get revisited.
1: Yeah, that's that's going to be a challenge moving ahead is that we see that all the time I, you know what happened at New Mexico State here recently and no. the issues they've been through and and that's not unique really it's it's a lot of different places and so I don't know if we're gonna need to rethink that idea of regional schools again like the whole idea began with when we started talking about higher education for surveying and then it sort of got washed away because of interest, so to speak, but uh, well, the, uh, ho- hopefully we'll have enough students. That won't be a problem, but who knows?
2: Well, the distance learning, so in other countries, Africa, South Asia, um, a lot of these students, a lot of these folks, even when they went through five, six, seven years ago, the distance learning was already in place. They'd have like uh, core brick and mortar uh, schools in some of the capitals or whatever, but a lot of the regional ones programs they went through were were true distance learning. So you know, there's there's things we could explore in the, in those areas.
1: Right. Uh, I mentioned this on the show before. I don't know if I've ever mentioned it to you that the, our third place winner last year in the student competition was was team from Great Basin, none of whom had met each other before they met in Washington at, at the finals. Um, oh, right. And that's that, kind of that, a, an example of what you're talking about. That's that's
2: an amazing example. That's true. And, uh, yeah, it sounds like we'll definitely do the 2018 because the nominations rolled in. It was so funny. It was New Year's Day, and I I try not to get on the the computer to do anything, but I wanted to make sure I posted the link to the online profiles. And I did that, and my phone kept pinging later. Well, I was getting emails already, people nominating folks for 2018. So, well, uh, we're also going to look... Towards using a lot of the past nominees in the selection committee, and I'm gonna I'm gonna seek some more folks on the selection committee uh, through the YSN as well. Uh, although a lot of them get nominated, so yeah, that's the only problem is if somebody's on the selection committee, they can't be nominated. So.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. So you're gonna have to de- depend on on people who've been nominees. I mean, you get so many nominees. I don't know if they get. <laughs> be nominated from year to year um, I, perhaps i guess some do
2: some yeah some did it was interesting that some <clears throat> some uh uh communities of of uh geospatial people that we, you know we don't think about a lot really uh when they saw last year's list i got uh, barraged uh, through twitter about people going uh how did, how could you have this list without evan rule being uh, nominated well it turns out that the, the community of people doing the open source software development for surveying and GIS, uh, you know, they work collaboratively globally through a thing called GitHub with sharing their code. And one of their one of their heroes is this Evan Ruhl. He's a blogger and manages a lot of that. So it was kind of neat to see these other communities, uh, the remote sensing uh, folks. Um, uh, Laura Van de Viber, I can't pronounce her name. Nominated through that group, so uh, yeah, no, uh, I think in our own funny little way, we're we're getting the we're getting the surveying community connected with a lot of these offshoots. So,
1: well, the one thing, or I should say the one thing, but one thing that it is doing, I think, is increasing awareness um, of what's out there, what's available, and in what's really part of the profession that you when know, we get busy in our day to day businesses we it's hard to focus on on that broader perspective but and so I think that's one of the great advantages of doing something like this is just not only introducing new people but introducing new concepts.
2: Well we, we print a lot of extra copies and why we did that this time was last year uh, a lot of surveyors and, and other folks that, that read this said, hey, could I have some more copies? I want to give them to the school counselors in their area. So this Great year, idea. I forget yeah. how many extra ones we printed, but, um, yeah, we, we
1: printed a lot of extra just for that purpose. Well, Maybe I'll direct our folks to you because we've got a lot more people this year um, going to their their state school counselors conferences. We're going back to the national again. Uh, but we got more people going to the oh. state school counselor conferences, too, so that would be a great tool. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, at least the
2: link. Uh, if not, the hard copies are kind of cool, you know.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, they're <laughs> always cool.
2: Yeah, cool. And, uh, yeah, we want to encourage the NSPS, uh, the body of the NSPS and the YSN to nominate people for next year. And Speaking of the NSPS, um, you know, the Forum on the Future of Serving, um we, we hosted a uh, online questionnaire for the forum uh, 2200 responses which I couldn't believe it kept me kind of busy on a couple of weekends but uh, we're uh, yeah we're we, we still got uh, still got that set up to to run it again uh, this year and I want to get the forum to um, yeah uh, one, at least one of the Subcommittee said that they were going to try to work up questions, but uh, as the NSPS is in charge, uh, it, uh, he, we're we're at your service on that one. Got all the mechanisms set up, and then at least twenty-two hundred people that um, you know would be contacted again to see if they want to answer some more questions as the forum starts working down through
1: the... I, I wonder if that's the roughly 2,200 people who responded to that questionnaire you and I were talking about earlier. I think we had maybe 2,600 people or something like that respond to that one.
2: Oh, so. that's fantastic. Yeah, it's yeah. probably a lot of the same people. You know, they said, probably so. you know, half a life is showing up, you know.
1: So. <laughs> well, and, seems, and the thing of it is, that's the way, that's the way things always work. Yeah. The people who are willing to step out and be a part of something are the ones that end up making it happen. Um, and, and if it weren't for those people, it probably wouldn't. So you want to be sure and want to be thankful for for those who do participate because they're going to be the ones that shape the future, just like the people in 40 Under 40.
2: Yeah, that's what James Shaw, his uh, his message there in his, the editorial uh, for it was, he said uh, something he noticed about all these people that got nominated. They show up.
1: Right. They're, they're all involved in their, their organizations, you know. Well, we're 10 seconds away from being done for today, so thanks, Gavin, for joining me. We need to talk more going forward on sharing information back and forth, and we'll do that.
2: We'll do. I'll be in touch soon.
1: Sounds great.
0: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.